Hey, this is Nick here. I wanted to send a quick message to the founders out there. If you're raising your first round of capital and you're not located in the Bay Area, New York City, or Boston, we'd love to connect with you. Newstack leads deals for founders that don't fit the standard Silicon Valley profile and are located in undercapitalized areas. If that describes you, or if you know a startup that fits that description, please send us an email. It's team at newstack.vc. Now here's a word from our partners. This episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Pacific Western is the leading provider of venture debt and banking services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors. Go to pacwest.com to learn more. Welcome to the podcast about investing in startups, where existing investors can learn how to get the best deal possible. And those that have never before invested in startups can learn the keys to success from the venture experts. Your host is Nick Moran, and this is The Full Ratchet. Welcome to another release of Investor Stories. On this installment, the experts talk about their investment philosophy, how they evaluate early stage startups, and how that may be unique from other venture investors. Here is the segment called Venture Investor Strategy. On today's special segment, we have Sheil Manat of 500 Startups. Sheil, can you talk about your thesis and also how you evaluate startups for investment and if there are any unique aspects of your approach? Yeah, absolutely. So my broad fund thesis is financial services for the rest of us. So a couple things. In the US, uh, the financial services have really not done a great job at serving millennials and sort of anyone who's not an old white man. I'll just say that. And so all these startups are encroaching on the traditional banking segments in every piece of traditional banking, whether it's loans, insurance, investment, wealth management, small business, you know, all that stuff is being encroached upon by uh, fintech startups. So that, that sort of financial service for the rest of us here. And then developing markets, fintech startups are leaping traditional banking altogether. So, you know, stuff I, I mentioned is, is uh, the way how, how difficult it was to serve an individual when I was doing microfinance work 10 years ago and how easy that is now with a smartphone. And I think that that brings a bunch of new people into the traditional banking world that you could never serve before. So I think that's, that's a huge piece of my thesis. And then how I evaluate startups, we make decisions very quickly, sort of for the, for the first uh, dozen or so investments that I've done, I was the sole decision maker. You know, I was the only one who met with the company. And then in a couple of meetings, I sort of decide whether to invest or not. Now we're instituting a little bit more of a process where I've got, I've got a, a team behind me. And for the majority of our investments, we do through the accelerator. So we have an application process, and then we do a series of interviews before we, we get comfortable and make an investment. But nothing's sort of that unique other than you know there's an application process, and we, we invest a couple times a year for matches starting in January and July. And then, of course, we do do investments outside of the accelerator. Um, so those I just look at as they come in, typically referrals from other investors or founders. On today's special segment, we have William Mugayar. William, can you talk about your thesis and also how you evaluate startups for investment and if there are any unique aspects of your approach? Sure. So 
my, my new thesis now, uh, because I'm a new fund, is, is really centered on, on decentralization. So it's about openly decentralized networked applications or technologies that can reimagine either industries or, or sectors via new intermediaries or protocols. So it's, it's a mouthful, but it's a lot in there. There's collaboration, collaborative. Uh, there is uh, peer-to-peer in the cloud. Uh, there is network. There is mesh of networks. Uh, there is a replacement of old systems. Uh, there is unbundling and rebundling. Uh, there is re-engineering. And there are new stacks in, ha- in there, the blockchain being one of them. So the blockchain is one, uh, one type of these types of applications. And uh, the, the, the number one question I always ask is, what's your vision? What do you see happening in two or three years from now, both in the marketplace? What are, what are your assumptions? And, and where do you think you like to be uh, in, in that new world? So I, I like to, to, to hear them imagine this new world that we don't see today. And, uh, and I, I try to, like, to take a long, long view uh, as to where the startup could be going and um, to figure out whether it's a small idea or a big idea. And, and usually the vision and, and then talking with them can help you uh, arrive at your own conclusions. And, and it's also based on your own research. It's, it's, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm very much research orientated. So the thing is that when, when you have some, some strong beliefs and you believe that the world is going to go in a, in a particular direction, and then when you see a startup that happens to go in the same direction or close to it, then you can say, oh, there's a match. Uh, I, I've been thinking about this in particular, and then I like your thinking. It's very similar. And so let, let, let's keep talking. So there's this intersecting point, uh, and, and you see the, these, these common elements, and, and that's very exciting to me. Is there a way that you seek out startups with these approaches? Well, I mean, luckily right now, because I'm writing a lot on my blog and, and I'm um, kind of doing it on a regular basis, uh, it's, I'm, I, I, I think I'm lucky that I'm receiving a lot of um, inbound uh, inquiries. I'm, I'm meeting people that I would not have been able to meet before because you can be everywhere, obviously. Uh, I, I like to work on the ground. I like to go attend events and be in different cities and, and, and kind of mix on the, on the ground up. But um, I wouldn't underestimate the power of blogging and the power of reaching with your thoughts via online. Uh, because uh, entrepreneurs uh, exist all over the place and they read your, your material and they send you an email and they say, wow, I'm, I'm working on this thing that you've been talking about. Can we talk? And this has been a great way for me to connect with, with entrepreneurs and startups that I would have never been able to connect with before. On today's special segment, we have Tom Tungus. Tom, can you talk about your thesis and also how you evaluate early-stage startups for investment and maybe mention aspects of your approach that may be unique from other venture investors? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, everyone invests differently, but I'm a really thesis-driven investor. So what that means is I really like to understand the space, and I'll spend a whole lot of time. So the last investment that we made, that I made, is a company called Dremio, and it's a data movement company. And it, it really was because... I was obviously working with the Looker guys and they were running into one particular problem. And uh, so I spent a lot of time talking to, f- to the team at Looker. And then they said, you know, we really think there's a, a company that could be built here. And so I spent about a year looking into the space and I interviewed all kinds of people. I met 
people who'd left all the incumbent companies like Informatica and Golden Gate Software and uh, created a big landscape. And then I'll never forget, this was about like a couple of months ago, the Dremio guys walk in the door and they start their pitch. And within the first five minutes, I turned to my partner, Satish, and I said, we, we have to invest in this company, right? And the whole goal is to, of that uh, methodology is you have a prepared mind. And so yep. when, that, when that company walks in, you know you're ready to commit. You know the 10 or 15 people that you can call on diligence and you just have a point of view, right? So those are the pros of the, me- the methodology. The downside is you're focused on one particular area, which means that you may miss um, great opportunities elsewhere. But that's a methodology I really like. And then the other methodology that we have internally is we're really team-driven. So we work in twos and threes on deal teams and then we work in twos and threes after we invest in portfolio companies. So if we have like, you know, one company that needs help in uh, developer-focused uh, go-to-markets, then my partner, Scott, who invested in Twilio and, and Stripe and Heroku, who's an expert there, he'll come and help the company, right? And so there's a nice kind of um, exchange or interchange of ideas that spans not just the relationship between the partner and the investment, but the whole firm. Uh, so I really like that part about Redpoint. Sounds like there might be some filters and criteria that you guys are using do you believe in sort of a formalized process around filtering and criteria, or is it more of uh, having this prepared mind and then pattern recognition allows you to make quick decisions? So I think it's a combination of the two. So I'll, I'll confess, I have a template that I take in with me to most startup pitches. And you know it lists kind of 15 or 20 different questions. And what I love about that is uh, it kind of structures the conversation. And there's been a lot of research into structured interviews that shows that Structured interviews are much more effective than unstructured interviews. So I like that. But once you're through the data collection and you're kind of through, hey, what do the unit economics work? And you kind of get to the emotional part of the decision-making process, right? And there's this story of this German guy who was struck by lightning just totally uh, randomly. And the part of his brain that creates emotions was destroyed. And uh, there were all these researchers who started to study him. They were wow. just fascinated, right? And uh, started to study him, and they thought that, here we go, we've got basically a human computer, right? Someone who is going to make decisions purely rationally. And what they found, to their great surprise, was this man, unfortunately for him, was totally unable to make decisions. And it's because he never had perfect information, right? So, like, should I have the cheeseburger or should I have the salad and he he was just totally paralyzed and so what they discovered through this man was the way that we commit to our decisions is by using emotions and so that made me realize that it's no different in venture you really need to have an emotional attachment to the business whether it's i mean it's a combination of i'm really excited about this market i'm really excited about this technology and i'm really excited about this team (laughs) i agree we've got a filtering set and we've tried to make it as objective and binary as possible just yeah. yeses and nos. But I've found that the businesses I'm getting really emotionally attached to, you know, my objective answer might be yes, whereas my partner's uh, objective <laughs> answer might be no. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, and sometimes the emotional decisions are the best ones. I mean, there are a lot of cases at Redpoint where we've invested in companies where one partner was incredibly passionate. Netflix is probably the canonical example for us, right? Where there was one partner who was my partner, Tim, who's unbelievably passionate about this company. And he faced a lot of internal resistance, but he turned out to be absolutely right. That will conclude this installment of Investor Stories. If you're enjoying the program and would like to see it continue, take a moment, 
and leave a five-star review in iTunes. Also, if you'd like updates on new content from TFR, as well as the top 10 VC articles every week, go to fullratchet.net and sign up for the newsletter. Okay, that will wrap things up for today. Until next time, over-prepare, choose carefully, and invest confidently. Thanks for joining me. At this point, if you're a VC, you've heard of Carta. You've probably even accepted securities from a portfolio company on the platform. It feels like every new company is using Carta, and there's already 16,000 VC-backed companies on the platform. They also offer tools and services for VCs like fund administration. Carta has an army of fund accountants delivering high-quality service and dedicated teams of engineers constantly improving the functionality of their user-friendly investor platform with in-app quarterly reporting, real-time fund metrics, LP portals, and more. It's also easy to switch from an existing fund administrator or to augment your in-house team with their service. Learn more about their services at carta.com forward slash investors. And this episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Pacific Western specializes in providing financial services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors, helping to navigate financial obstacles by providing access to funds and expertise. Pacific Western's customized products and team of venture banking specialists provides a banking experience designed specifically with startups and VCs in mind. If you run a tech company or if you invest in tech companies, it's strongly advisable that you build a relationship with the folks at Pacific Western. Go to pacwest.com to learn more. 